This is our Suburb Health Report for September 2022, and we'll be looking at what investors need to know when they're looking at investing across the country. In this episode, we'll be discussing the concept of best house in the best street and best street in the suburb. And we will profile five suburbs and look at top streets and what changes we can see as we move from a seller's market to a buyer's market. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxdale's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as download our free full or forecaster report which experts can you trust to get it right? The elephant in the room.com.au. Over the last few years, sellers have clearly had the upper hand with inventory levels at low record lows, in fact. Now, limited supply relative to demand made it hard to find any property, but now many housing markets are returning to normal. And what is normal anyway? But that old saying, buy the worst house in the best street, was pretty much forgotten in recent years. And as market conditions start to favour buyers once again, we will explore this episode in today's podcast. Our resident, Neek, that's my um, geek and nerd. I just sort of (laughs) folded them together. You can be a Neek or a GERD. (laughs) Anyway, Kent, hello. Uh, He has designed a new report called Top Streets. Let's dive in. Um, So, Kent, can you tell us a bit about how you've designed the report and how it's used? Yes, um, it's designed around taking an automated valuation model for every property in a given street, and then it takes the median uh, of of all those price estimates and then ranks them. Yes, well, so the the call out there is obviously when we're using an automated valuation model, uh, we need to understand how they work a little bit and how that can influence the result. And what are some of the limitations of that? Uh, but but generally what it does is it gives us something that's relatively weighted for every street and it does it in a radius. So it effectively looks at a street, looks at the, the properties that are sold in a radius around that street and on the street and gives us a price estimate for each property. And then we weight those all up and come up with a median for the street. So it's a very handy tool to actually identify uh, where your street ranks uh, relative to the suburb but equally uh, if you're a somebody researching a buyer's agent or a buyer looking at a street it's something that gives you an understanding is this one of the top ranked streets or is it one of the well, i think it's streets? you know when i saw your report uh last week i think it was on linkedin i saw you did i didn't know you were doing this and um i contacted you straight away right i said can i love this can you do this can you do this right um because i think especially if you even people in the suburb, they don't really know their best street. They think their street's the best street. They think their house is the best suburb, uh, house in the suburb, to be honest. Um, we've all got that bias. But um, I think it's a really handy tool to to at least know where your street ranks, right? Um, and, and when you're out there looking at properties, are you discounting it for the quality of the street or are you sort of comparing, you know, paying top dollar for the street that's ranked, you know, 98 out of 100? Um, and so I think it's really uh, interesting to sort of look at this. What are sort of the limitations with you know, all of a sudden, though, just going, okay, I'm just going to buy in the best street, or is that, you know, what were some of the limitations of this research? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a great relativity tool. So sometimes you might find that, you know, rank 14 versus rank 15 yep. might be disputable. Yeah, you might argue the, argue the toss on that. But uh, what it does tell you is, uh, am I paying 
well and truly above mm. the median yep. price for that street. So that's some of the detailed stuff that I can say, okay, if I'm paying, if I'm buying the best house in the worst street, that's a very different proposition to the other way around, which we all like to talk about buying the worst mm. house in the best street. So um, it's very hard for people to, to measure or identify that. But I think the history has been in the last few years is you've just been happy yep. to buy mm. any property you could get. You know, there's been so few listings. So the whole best street discussion disappeared from the radar. And I think it's just it's, coming you know, back online now. I find really interesting. And that is that when it becomes a buyer's market as we are now, listings fall mm. and good listings as a proportion. And, you know, I really, I guess what I need to do is literally get in there and work out some numbers around this. But that's very, very manual because I've then got to determine what's a good listing and look at the proportion of good listings in a hot market versus good listings in a in a in a soft market. But my experience anecdotally um, has been that listings fall generally and the proportion of good quality listings falls in a buyer's market, right? So that's the first thing. But secondly, you know, and I did do some analysis on this some time ago. We had this sort of hypothesis in in Balmain, so in like a good deeds local area um, hypothesis, if you like, which was that family homes with north-facing gardens turn over less often than family homes with other aspects. And we did, we can see that, that properties that have that almost perfect and and whether the owners are conscious in their decision to keep those properties and never turn them over or whether it's an unconscious thing, I suspect unconscious to be honest, I suspect that just homes that are great in every respect and that's one big one of them, you don't have this sort of sense of unease or or discontent or whatever and so you don't feel like you you really want to improve upon it and so therefore it doesn't, they don't come on the market that often. So that, I have a suspicion that, that, you know, good streets turn over less often yep. and houses and best houses turn over less often. Can that be proven? Yeah. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, nodding because um, I have done that analysis before of the main street. So one of the things that the government uh, categorises every street, so it's a, it, it's a code called a transport classification code, mm. nerding out here. 301's a freeway, 302's a highway, 303's a main feeder road, 304 and 305. So it's a way to categorise what is a main road or a feeder road. And we've done, I've done this quite a few times, and, and typically you will find that there's more turnover. Units mm-hmm. are yeah. higher turnover, we know that. But um, houses on main roads have been more turnover because you know typically yep. people get mm. sick of the traffic, get sick of the noise. Um, so that you know they do turn over so of the studies i've done and i have done this over the last 20 years i think i've done it two or three times and it was it was you know definite that the main roads and in a boom times it's a great time mm, to flog a yeah. main road property you've got buyers who are just crowded out yeah. there they'll, they'll yeah. come and buy t- turnover is the key word here right and so the best streets <laughs> should have the lowest turnover you know the reality is that's what makes it the best street because once people are in that street they live there longer. I mean, properties are turnovering less anyway. You know, we're all living in our homes for longer because can't afford to upgrade. You've got to pay stamp duty. Um, the gap to buy the next house is just too big, so you get stuck in the house that you're in now. Um, but then you find that the, even the the better streets have a lower turnover rate, which is even lower when times aren't great to sell because people are like, well, why would I sell this, you know, great property right now? I'm not going to get a premium price. It's a pretty good place to live. Why don't I just stay here? And so I think that's the 
the irony is that yeah, absolutely in the boom, people can't get the best streets because to get the best streets and the best property, you've got to pay overs. Um, and you've got to pay well above the market because someone else is, you know, going to pay overs in a boom. Um, so you have to make compromises. But when there's a downturn, you're less likely to get the good stuff because it's less likely to come on the market. So it's, it's sort of catch-22 both ways, right? It's, it's just very difficult to get the best properties in the suburb, um, no matter what the market is. It is interesting. And Veronica, you mentioned earlier listings coming back. Um, and a lot of the blue chip suburbs have been quite surprising, especially in, in Melbourne right now. So a lot of those those premium suburbs have seen significant falls in listings. And I expected the opposite um, because it's meant to be, you know, inventory is meant mm. to be going up in the bad times. But um, one of the key things I found, I think we covered this in one of the early, early podcasts, was uh, I selected to buy in Coogee one time based on some old data that analysed what happened in the bad times in Coogee. And all it did is go mm. flat. So I, I, I can see... I can see the, the there's elements of that likely to, to happen again where the blue chip suburbs, people just pull them back. They decide not to sell. It's actually really interesting that because core logic data at the moment is um, and has been pretty much for most of this year is showing that the softest um, segment of the market. So they basically have the each capital city broken up into three segments. There's the bottom 25th yeah. percentile, the middle 50 percentile and the top 25th percentile. Um, and... Hmm. In terms of price falls, so first of all, you saw the slowing in growth, first of all, in those, the upper percentile, um, and then the falls have been greatest in the upper percentile. However, I'm dealing, I've got a few clients with budgets that are in the upper percentile. All of them. <laughs> in fact, mm. most of my clients yeah. are, I think, All probably. Of them would be, for sure. <laughs> and it, you know, some of those brackets, particularly family homes, are very competitive still. Very, in fact, and we're talking multiple millions of dollars here for some of our sort of upper level clients. You know, there's a lot of buyers out there and they've got money. And and I know that at the same time, we're talking to agents are saying that, look, people aren't necessarily feeling the urge to part with that money, that FOMO has exited the market, but those good properties still get very competitive. So I really, it's surprises me that that's still showing the biggest um, pullback in terms of growth in terms of prices in term in that aggregate data and I know we're going yeah. off piece here we're not talking about best streets but <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated by the the mismatch with what we see on the ground and what the aggregated data says and I guess that's in a way what we're talking about here too because when you're looking at best streets in a suburb you're looking at granular data you're not looking at aggregate data well, it's it's interesting. One of the, um, the 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 points I wanted to raise is it's it's a regression, and what you find is generally the markets will fo follow the path of I use the SA three, the statistical area three, and that median, the growth of that median. Most of the suburbs regress to that median. Some might lead yeah. and mm -hmm. jump ahead, and some might lag and fall behind. But over time, they all regress to that long term <laughs> average. Same can be said for streets mm. against the suburb trend as well. Um, so that was point, point one. But point two is really if you've got a, a narrative that you want to support for a media headline, yeah. you can slice and dice the data any way you want. Um, and what I did find uh, with with one recent analysis I did was that the, the, the top 20%, so I did it in quintiles, the top 20% in Sydney grew at a much greater yeah. rate in yeah. recent years than the mm. bottom. Um, so, but but the, to the point of how you can slice and dice the data, that was for Sydney. 
Now, if you expand it beyond Sydney, suddenly the lower rank stuff, the, the you, you get a very different set of numbers to play with and the lower price numbers come off on a very low base because of the Sydney exodus or mm. whatever and suddenly those numbers look very different. So if I just just slice and dice Sydney alone, the, the top 20% did yeah. extraordinarily well, better than anything. We should put that against years. Chris Joy at the moment. I mean, Chris Joy has been... Um you know, being our best forecaster on our reports, right, every year. But he's, he's kind of getting into this camp where he's everything he's talking about, oh, the top markets, you know, top 25% is getting smashed, etc. But what you've just said there, Kent, is that's the market that grew the fastest over the last few years. And I mean, a lot of what he's saying is the market's fallen 6%. Well, it's actually fallen a lot more than that, you know, because a lot of transactions takes, how many months does it take from something that's sold, you know, today till it actually appears in, you know, the settlements and, you know, you're talking a lag and, you know, it's actually a lot worse than what you're, you know, you're, you're saying. You know, he's saying markets fallen six percent. Well, you know, Veronica would see that in in the West. You know, the poorest stuff would have fallen a lot more than six percent. Um, mm. and you know, some of the top stuff may have fallen similar to that. Um, and so it's very dangerous using this sort of uh, media sort. Of, and I, I agree, that everyone's just cutting and dicing it to support their story, um, without giving any context. You know, because oh, yeah. if you expand that over to twelve months, the market's still up over twelve months on a median basis. Um, mm. But if you just do that chart over the last six months, it's looking like the market's in free fall. Yeah, well, and if you use some of the indices, I mean, it's the same point. We've got an AVM that's used to predict these house prices for the street ranking. Uh, the same methods or, or AVM-type methodology that predicts house prices is mm. used in a lot of the indices. Yeah. And, and so you've got limitations to these things. So you've got compositional impact or compositional bias. If the only thing that sells that's, is yes. cheap, in a suburb, then that's going and to right bring now, it that's down. Now, isn't it? So if you and think so about, you it, need like, to look at if there's a hundred properties well, on the market, it's going to be seventy or eighty percent of them might be poorer properties now. But in a boom, it might only be fifty percent of them because a lot of people in the good prop good properties, you know, take their money, cash in, downsize, move to other states, upgrade, etc. Um, and so your median's going to actually fall worse in um, downturns because more percentage of poorer quality properties are going to sell which is going to drag your median down. Um, it's, it's very dangerous because if you're wanting to yeah. buy one of the better properties, you're saying, oh, the market's down 20%. Well, you can't factor that onto <laughs> the better properties if, you, if you're basing your decisions on the median. And all the AVMs do that, right? You can see that all the AVMs are discounting some of the better properties by bigger percentages than, and you won't get them for those prices, right, those discounts. Mm. And that's a good, that's the, that's the sign. It's that compositional bias that we often talk about here and, the other point is that that these things are that we've attempted to overcome these things with different index models, such yeah. as the repeat sale mm -hmm. index or the Case Shiller method, which looks at the same property selling through time and then builds a, a model on only yeah. that, where you've got two points of data for the same property. So yeah, this compositional uh, bias issue is a significant issue. It will be around for months and months to come yeah. as we go through this transition. But, but the other key point is a lot of the you know a lot of people love to use the term machine learning and AI. <laughs> right now, the models yeah. are goddamn awful. You know, the models are yeah. rubbish right now. <laughs> so what are you <laughs> seeing there? Do tell. <laughs> well, um, a, a lot of the machine learning models to forecast sales volume and listings mm -hmm. volumes, which I use to then create an inventory forecast. Those models, the performance of those models right now is is woeful in comparison to how reliable and robust they were a year ago. Because it was, sorry that I'm using the wrong term, fat and lazy, but they were just fitting a line to a, a pretty steady growth curve. 
Uh, whereas mm. now we're getting wobbly mm. and it's moving around. So um, I've had to shorten up that projection to to bring it back up to the more robust statistical measures to say it does the model is the model reliable or not. So it's not until we see a fairly consistent set of numbers and and this this short term volatility because there's some crazy stuff happening as mm. you said. You've got some suburbs that are shrinking in inventory right now. Um, because people are pulling back on listings. And usually what happens with decreased inventory, we see a three to four month lag and that increases prices. So you know, my take on this is as people pull back on those listings, it's going to have a very much a stabilizing effect on the price back to that Coogee example where the blue chip suburbs, people pull back, it goes flat. It's a soft landing, I, not a I, um, I track. I have a little chart that tracks clearance rates uh, withdrawn percentage of withdrawn properties from auction and also the auction listings, so the vo- the listings volume. And I've been tracking that those three uh, f- all this year. And it's really interesting. And it's just for Sydney. And unfortunately, I haven't got it for, you know, suburb or, or SA3, but for Sydney, Sydney as a whole, mm. it's really interesting watching those three lines on a chart. And certainly there was all this volatility. For the beginning of the year, basically... There were um, high volumes and high clearance rates and low withdrawals. So that that's sort of a normal New Year type market, really, where you got pent up demand both to sell and to buy, um, and and then you get Easter. Plus, we had you know obviously quite a bit of jawboning going on in terms of media. But then you get Easter, and then it just goes all over the shop because you got school holidays, you got listings volumes going up and down and zigzagging everywhere. You've got clearance rates not not quite knowing what to do. Um, and same with withdrawn properties because of that volatility. So this is just showing volatility is what I'm talking about here. And then you get through that period through basically term two at school. And now it's since um, July, I think, in the middle of term two. And then we've seen listings numbers fall. They're stable around about the sort of four to 500 um, per weekend. Uh, the withdrawn numbers is stabilised at around about sort of on average some about 18% withdrawn every week. And the clearance rate stabilised in that sort of early 50, you know, between 50, 55%. And it's just interesting, just as a data set, I know it doesn't directly relate to what you're talking about, but it's just getting into and understanding the volatility in our markets, even for myself who lives and breathe this stuff. And I'm like, wow, yeah, you can really see how it's impossible like a human being who knows these markets will go well i can explain this and that blah 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 but for a bot or whatever it is that automated um an ai to try to make sense of all that without various inputs i mean i'm sure it looks for patterns but there's no pattern for that period of time how could it possibly that's exactly it. yeah so therefore it's predi- it's ab- ability to predict will be just shot it's just at the moment it's shot mm. And, and, you know, people just love rolling out their yeah. you know, rubber stamp yeah. on their website that says AI. And, you know, mm. it's like, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sign. That, that I know those sites I to avoid I think it's in property. There's such an emotional element to it. Uh, and all the behavioral bias which we've been talking about since episode one. Um, and, you know, loss aversion is real. Even though it's paper money, um, you know, a lot of people will be looking at 2022 prices, what they could have sold it for last year. You know, there's uncertainty. Um creates inaction you know you don't in uncertainty in share markets you sell you don't do that in the property market you just sit still right you don't sell you don't try to buy hunker um, down etc and you know in the last few months in particular i mean there's definitely been some people who have been caught out maybe bought 
earlier this year and tried to had to sell um the last few months have been really um not in a great place to be honest um because the market moved i think an interesting mm. thing for our listeners to look at is the australian government um three-year bond yield and you can really see that really shows how fear ramped up this year because you know all through 2020 2021 the government bond year was like you know 0.1 or 0.2 percent so cash rates going to be cheap for the next three years but then late 2021 it sort of jumped up to one percent um and then in sort of march april time this year it jumped up to one and a half two percent and then basically um yeah, April, May, it went from sort of 2% all the way up to sort of in June, it went to 3.6%. So it went from like zero to 3.6%. That's the cost of money for the next three years. And that's the government bond yield. So then the bank rates are much higher than that. But you can already see, this is almost exactly what's happened to our clients as well. You know, from middle of June into July, the bond yield started to drop and it started to drop from, you know, 3.6 all the way down to 2.8, as in the market thinks that rates aren't going to keep on going up, right? Um, and that's when confidence started mm. to return a little bit for buyers, you know, and, the, and you know, people are saying, well, rates aren't going to go through the roof forever, um, et cetera. So I think that's a really just shows how the higher interest rates really freaked out the market. Um and I think that 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 will correlate with listings because as rates started going up, people will say, I'm not going to you know, look to sell, I'm not looking to upgrade um, because I don't know where rates are going to go. Um, and that's exactly the same with what happened to fixed mm. rates. We started seeing fixed rates started late last year. They started going up um, and then they really started all the way through the first six months of the year, started really jumping for clients. So Humans, you'd, rest, you'd yeah. want to replace them with <laughs> AI, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> This is the thing, though. I mean, it's like, you know, we've recently interviewed Stephen Keane, for instance, and he's a, you know, he's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But, you know, one of the things that kept going through our mind while we were talking to him was that humans don't necessarily act in predictable yep. ways or even unpredictably or even predictably unpredictable. You know what I mean? It's like they're all over the bloody shop. And, and mm. I think also it's been ramped up because of the way in which our news cycle works these days too. I just think that the, that volatility of humans' reactions has been dialed up as well. So, mm. yeah, and, and so any model in a way has to somehow compensate for that, right? So let's get into some <laughs> suburbs, Ken. So what's but, the uh, first suburb we're going to talk about mm. today? Yeah, so a um, couple of key things. So I, I, we picked on some suburbs that we all have some familiarity with. Um, so, Chris, yep. you're familiar with Newport. Veronica, you're familiar with Newtown and Balmain. I'm an ex-Balmain person, so I put in Balmain. I'm ex-Coogee and I'm in New Lambton. So there's some suburbs. We don't need to cover them all. A couple of call-outs, though, is the number of listings. So Newport's listings have jumped up. So the average number of listings in Newport was about a year ago, about 15 houses. It's up to about 27 average so now. Let, let's just put a little bit of, um, you know, locational context here. So apologies for uh, anybody who's listening to this who is not from New South Wales because you're going to go, why are you guys just focusing on New South Wales? So this is purely around, well, we're familiar. <laughs> You're yeah. just saying, though, Newport, Newtown, New Lambton. Uh, yeah, I mean, what is it about the news? I know. It's very new. <laughs> yeah. um, so Newport, that's that's Chris's neck of the woods. This is We're talking northern beaches. We're talking if it's past – oh, you're before the yeah, bends, aren't you? There's the, the, the bendy yeah, exactly. bus – there's the bends. Yeah. Very snobby. <laughs> Very snobby. Pitwater. It's a beautiful place to live, but it's been plagued for decades because of its yeah. tra- lack of, you know, easy, reliable transport port to the CBD. So people go there for lifestyle, often will turn around and come back out of there again because of the commute. But work from home movement, one of Chris's big champions, you know, that has allowed the area to go off. So that's just a little bit of context. Anything else you want to add about your neck of the well, woods, so Chris, Newport, before um, we get into the data? It's a funny suburb, right? So... 
The, there's a few flaws with the suburb. Um, obviously, transport's a, a, across the whole suburb, right? No matter whereabouts in Newport is, it's not easy to get to the city. Um, and it hasn't even got like a fast bus. That's in the next suburb, which is called Mona Vale, um, just to the south of it, close to the city. But Newport's a funny su- suburb. You've got like one side of Baron Joey Road, which is sort of the main road, which is, you know, and, and that's split in two. You've got flat blocks that are walking to the beach uh, and walking to the, the shops. That's like premium like best you know a couple mm. hundred meters from sand a couple of meters from shops um and that that's and that's, that's really premium then you got up on the hill which is actually a, not a great walk to the beach but you get a great views um so that's still really desirable but then on the other side is you've got um all flat blocks but there's a massive escarpment it's actually quite it's on the south side of a, a peninsula um and a lot of those blocks are, there's a couple of cut through roads and, you know, there's a lot of blocks where they're really dark. In winter, you get no sun. And then you've got this uh, a couple of really awful streets that get zero sun up inside the peninsula. Um, which you And this is, the, this is the problem when you're buying in a suburb is you just don't know these things until, you know, years down the line you start mm. to figure out, like, how the suburb behaves in different seasons and where the cut-through roads are. Yeah, and then you've got premium Newport, which is on the literally on waterfronts on um, Pitwater, which is sort of the you know Pit like water. the harbour yeah. of up on the beaches, and so it's a suburb that's really mixed. If you didn't know, like sort of Kent's research is going to be interesting. So I haven't even seen it, but it's going to be interesting what comes out um, because it's a huge gap between top best streets versus the worst streets in Newport um, and the livability in different streets. So what did you find, Kent? Yeah, so a couple of key things in, in what we d- we've got in here is the uh, total address count, how many houses versus how many units on the street. Mm-hmm. So that's in there as well. So you can identify straight away, you know, the proportion and the mix of property types and how many. So, you know, a short street, a small street might only have se- seven houses on mm-hmm. it. Um, so there's quite a few that might only have five, six or seven houses. So um, that's the call out. There's two metrics we've got in here. We've got three in terms of the medians. We've got the overall property median, so houses, units combined. Um, we've got one specifically for houses, so the median for the houses and another one for, for units. So um, the median we've got here for the for the top street is called Gertrude Avenue. Now, there's 28 properties in total, but 15 houses that have been used in the in the estimate. And that came in at a median of four, just under 4.9 million. Do you know Gertrude Avenue? Is that uh, one no. is that your street? Uh, so has anyone seen the movie Penguin Bloom? Ooh, so yes, it's Naomi no. Watts, it. isn't it? Um, anyway, that she lives. The house in Penguin Bloom is, uh, and you're right, there's only four or five houses on it. But why that's such a, and I wouldn't say that's, I mean, it is a pretty good street, if, but it's, it's a walk to the town centre, but it's just got, picturesque view straight up and you can see all the escarpments of all the you know newport like bagola up into palm beach up into the central coast and you know all your beaches and mm. it's, a, it's a short little walk to the town it's not too far up the hill so you can make sense why that is basically the the best street in newport and you don't get any it's a quiet cul-de-sac as well so you don't get the through traffic um like mayola is which is the street it runs off and so yeah it sort of makes sense why that's up the top but I'm surprised, and and this is, I would say that the bottom part of Myola, which is right down the flat blocks near the water, is a better street. But then you've got a really poor part of Myola, which is where all the people drive up and down. So, um, yeah, that's the thing. That's though, a good isn't it? point, though. Yeah, because you've got you've got streets. We've got one street here called St James Road in my suburb, 
Yeah. And it's in two halves. You've got one half mm. that's yeah. the premium end, uh, and then you've got another one that runs up over the over the railway is a high through traffic section. Yeah. So the other one's a quiet section, hardly any through traffic, and it, and it's just, and it shouldn't be one street. It should be n- renamed and zoned differently. Well, it would make it easier for real estate agents if you could actually name them differently. This is the good end because otherwise, you know, in the ads you often see the quiet end of this street or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. red and green, <laughs> red and green. So what's the next street? Uh, yeah, the next one's Carlu Parade, K-A-R-L-O-O. Carl, oh, okay. do you know that one? Well, we'll stick with the ones you know. So if you're just focusing at the last, I'll go through the list. And as soon as I hit one that you know, I've got Walworth, Stanley, Panama, but P A N I M A. I think these are the ones that are on the other side. So these are the So this isn't. I should. I should. There you go. We do have Bunganhead Road is right next to Gertrude. So that's up on the top of the on Carlo. So Carlo Parade. Yeah, absolutely. So these are. So Carlu Parade is basically beachfront um, properties that are all overlooking um, Bungan Beach. Um, the problem is yes. it's, it's one of those streets though. Yeah, it's top street, right? But all these properties are south-east facing. Um, they're all on the south side of the peninsula. They're all pretty much dark or winter and it's a cut-through road. Um, so even though this has got the highest median, mm. I don't think that's a great street to live on. Um, and, and they actually do find that they don't sell anywhere near as well as the ones on the other side of Newport. Um, yeah, they've got the picturesque views, but in markets like now, like you can already, there's already one on the market now that, that you know, they were trying to get eight mil for it and they can't even sell it for six because it gets all the south, mm. um, south sort of westerly sort of um, wind. It's dark and cold in winter. Um, and yeah, and it's actually that, that beach isn't the best beach because it's a massive walk down. Um, so... Yeah, it's interesting that that's come up as the second best street, but I would argue that it's, it's not the best second best street. So we're talking based on uh, the AVMs and the median prices. It's coming up as the best be for, for average yeah. value. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So if you've got, if you've got, mm. it's like when we talk about the distributions of a, a suburb. Sometimes you've got odd distributions. You mm. in in a beachside suburb, you've got really odd distributions mm. at the suburb level, and the same for the streets to the same point. You're going to have different ends of of the street and different prices. So there's some of the call outs, some of the limitations, but so, it does uh, give uh, us a relativity thing. Could I add just potentially for me? I look at that and go, well, probably it means that every single house in that in that street's got a view, and if you compared. Every single house in that street to the there might be five amazing cracker houses in the suburb that maybe they're the only ones in that street with yeah. that view or something. Then then their streets wouldn't reflect the fact they've got the, the best house in them, but this as a street everyone's got a view. So there's the views priced yeah, into them sure. even if they've got these other detractors. Yeah, yeah sort of fascinating, it, it, isn't it? It, it does use a radius, so mm. it's going to it's going to be influenced by a blend of results in a radius off the street. Mm. So they're just some of the call-outs. But, again, you mix something like this with on-the-ground local expertise or you're dealing with a, a buyer's agent or a, a selling agent with 10 years on the ground, <laughs> it's a pretty good mix. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating and go on the stuff, other actually. End. So I love you've this. got the best streets. What's okay. like some of the worst streets in Newport? Yeah, so some of the lowest medians, I'll, I'll, I'll select my language carefully here. So we've got a few that we couldn't rank, but we've got um, uh, Suncrest, yep. Hill Slope, um, Sybil and Robertson are some of the yeah. ones that had the l- lower. The name Hill Slope? 
That just, I wouldn't it's give, find it's a giveaway. Just, it's a gift it's a giveaway. giveaway. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, that's, and they are, these are the ones that sort of are against sort of the escarpment. Um, you know, they're, then they're going to be dark, they're cold, they're wet. Um, and yeah, they're not going to be, if you are the entry point into the market. And I think it's just in hot markets, you just don't want to be paying over the odds for these type of properties. Um, because, you know, that gap mm. between the poor streets and the best streets really tightens because um, people just get desperate to get in. But in, in down markets, A, they're more likely to sell because people are more worried that they're, they're not uh, going to hold their value. They start seeing other people sell and you say, well, if I don't sell now, it's going to be worth less next year. Um, and, yeah, they really get discounted because everyone's like, well, why would I buy that property? I'm going to wait and try to get something better. Um, and so that's, yeah, cool. Awesome. Mm. So what's the next place you're going to talk about? Newtown? We're going to go to Newtown. Newtown. My neck of the woods. Your neck of the woods. So um, one of the top ones we've got, Samuel Kent was was one. I don't know if you know that one. Railway, Railway Avenue. <laughs> this is funny. You know that one? No. Um, well, I, sh- I should. Well, I don't know well, either well, of these. <laughs> I, got, I, got one, I got one that I know quite well. Um, my um, late father owned a property for a long time in Randall Street, Newtown. So I know that one. That That's up in the top. Uh, top 17 so i know that one so i'd agree with that that's a pretty good position yeah hang on you might be having yeah. a bias there though so i've okay. totally got a bias but it's a big yeah, long so, wide street it's a beautiful yeah. wide street oh. easy access yeah, I used to, to newtown everything as well so okay, um, Samuel I, mean, Kent. I used to live on brown street in newtown which is off wilson street and wilson street's the one that runs all along the carriage works it's full of terrace houses and he got Mixed bag, yeah. past, you know, and it's different yeah. sections of it. So some sections and it's have actually got really, some don't. That, you know, Wilson Street at the moment is right next to the carriage works and that that's whole area is getting um, huge uh, refurbishment. It's the whole central to Lev Everly project. If you're looking to buy in the inner west, you want to know exactly yeah. what's happening with that. Um, and so because it's going to be together with, you know, apartments and commercial and um, et cetera, but Randall Street, it's just off Wilson Street. It's a cute little, quiet little street. It's got a it is. beautiful park at the end of it. Um, and so I know that street well. It's um, You can see why it'd be the best because it's surrounded by, got amazing access to the main roads, quiet little pocket, um, all terraces and a big wide street. So, Well, it was right, number 17 okay. on the list. So it, it was, I'll probably rephrase it as one of the best, but I went yeah. straight to it because I knew it. Um, and there's 122 streets there um we ranked we ranked most uh we ranked everything bar about or we didn't rank 30 of them so sometimes we just don't get enough a lot of those are lanes that might you know just might only have one or two properties so um but yeah some of the some of the the top ones you know railway warren ball forbes do you know any of those look warren ball definitely forbes Okay, so and that Randall is up in North Newtown. So mm. when I, it's funny because I do these little videos um, for when I have new people coming on my team, and also for our clients too. And we do these, we do sessions called Getting Starter Sessions for for clients, where it helps them understand the possibilities for their property search. And also, one of the, our big value adds is to say to educate them as to other areas they may not have considered. Right. So we do these little suburb overviews. So for us different ones in my team particularly knowledgeable in certain areas and I've did my one on Newtown and that area up in Warren Ball that that Warren Ball like if anyone goes there and it's on the corner of Georgina Street and it is obviously way back in the Victorian times that was where very very rich people went 
right? I've never been in a house on Warren Ball, right? It yep. overlooks Hollis Park. It's beautiful. Yep. It's like mm. an English. It's like you imagine sort of this this English in in the yep. middle of London. These manners, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And it's like this is in the middle of Newtown, feral yep. Newtown. It's amazing, but. So up that northern end of Newtown, um, you know, there's some lovely streets, some lovely big wide houses, all the rest of it. But it's sort of interesting because that Samuel Kent is really a lane and it's off Camden Street on the other end and it's an awful part. Well, so I'm uh, really curious to know what's... Yeah, well, if you, if it's, it, it was included yeah. with one sample. So what I could do is ah. I could filter it, you see, and I could yes. say, what you know, to, to, to make this relevant, I'm only going to include stuff that's got, say, five sales or above which would mm. make railway, if I said five properties and more in the sample, yep. it would put yep. railway up at the top. Right now, it's Railway Rock, Crescent yep. or Avenue? Railway I mean, this Avenue. Warren Ball, though, if you, right. this is exactly and that park I was talking about, which is near Wilson Street. It's on. Um, I mean, they have yep. massive big terraces that have got a north-facing rear and at the front of the property overlooking a beautiful park and no mm. commercial out the back. It's just houses. Um, and you've got a laneway. So you've got rear lane access with a north-facing with a big terrace um in a row of terraces that are all on the front on the uh you know there's only six of them um or eight of them so you can yes. see why there's just true scarcity you know uh, and you're off the main road so it's no noise and yeah I, I can see why that's the the best properties you know the highest medians in newtown definitely now you've got to put some more filters in here kent so yeah. this is what I, I love you know i love you and i think you are the best property data person <laughs> alive but Railway Avenue Town is a, it's not a total dog. We have actually bought on this street uh, once under certain circumstances and a certain little part of it. But most of it, literally, it runs along the railway. There are some lovely houses there, and it is very wide, and there's a lot of trees and everything. So there are some nice, nice aspects to this street. There are some pockets, but I'm really amazed that that's on there. That's to be come honest. up well. That, it's been if it's close to no, these other not. premium streets. That we covered in that no, north, it's, it's going to capture them. That's the issue. No, yeah. it's not. So that's the thing. It's yeah, it's right at the other end. Newtown is a very funny place because you go, um, you go in some pockets. This the streets are so yeah. skinny. You know, you talk about your government um, rating of streets that they're so scrawny and mm-hmm. skinny. Like my daughter's just got her L's. Um, I don't know how you can't. How does anyone learn how to drive in a place like Newtown? You like, don't. It's just impossible. You don't drive there. <laughs> just, you catch the train. Oh, that's what I've told her. You're exactly right. But look, the point being, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you can have some very wide streets, some really beautiful big homes, and you've got lots and lots of tiny, tiny little workers' cottage, mm. and you've got quite a lot of social housing as well. So, so you've got to carve up, you know, what you know what is uh, affected by social housing. Or and when I say social housing, I'm also referring to a lot of really old. Um, Owned in the same families for decades, effectively slumlord type properties. <laughs> you don't really want. Um, there was a fire in one recently. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, do you go on. What's the next one well, on? Well, let's. Um, do you want to? Do you want to jump across and follow yeah, and do unit, another let's... suburb? Do Balmain. Well, I'm. I'm going to go jump to New Lambton. This is my okay, suburb. Okay, you're, you're then, we'll, the then we'll come back because <laughs> I wanted to talk about um, uh, Coogee. I wanted to focus on Coogee because it's so many apartments that it does create mm. a bit of a challenge, and we'll yep. talk about some of those. But um, what I can see um, in the top streets with um, you know, places like Curzon Road, um, Carrington Parade, Queens Road and Addison Road and High Street, these are 
definitely up in what they call the golden triangle. Every so these are in the top got a golden 10, triangle, isn't um, it? Which is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so these are, you know, a lot of the, a lot of these streets go up nice and high with views back uh, across the whole of Newcastle, and, and often some of them see beach, the beach views as well. Um, and one call out I've got here is my street has been ranked one below another one called Sketchley, which is adjacent here, which made me realise I need to put in those transport classification codes because um, Sketchley is a feeder road, whereas mine's a, a 305. So it's a ah. great way to reorder those that might mm. be, because at the moment they're only ranked on the median AVM. But if I were to pick that, I'd say, well, hang on, I'd pick the street that is not the, the feeder road. Um, so you'd flip that around. So that was a bit of a learning. But I, I think by and large, my suburb, which is, a couple of suburbs back from the beach, it's worked. It's worked rather the well. The beach is a long way from mm. New Lambton, Kent. It's uh, <clears throat> yeah, about that's about you know, it's about six minutes in the car, about seven or eight. But as you get further away from the beach, the automated valuation model starts. Yeah, you're to not going to see any more. sand though. Just just letting you know, you mm. might see a tiny bit of water, but it's it's. <laughs> Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's like my views of the the water went from the property in Coogee yeah. on Carrington Road. They were water views, but yeah. boy, they were we a long way away. Some binoculars for those. Um, but I mean, New Lambton. I grew up in New, in Lambton, so literally next door. Um, and you know, New Lambton did have a bit of a, a price premium on it. It was always known as a as a bit more where the wealth went right. Um, and so you're saying a lot of the older wealth is in that. Uh, just a few handful of pockets and and you would say that you know that, of they live there they've been living there for 30 40 50 years and the turnover you probably very rarely see those properties for sale in that in that pocket yeah and look what's interesting about a suburb like this uh, and we covered it earlier is um a lot of the main roads do start to turn over or have been turning yeah. over in the last year uh and the other call out is there's been some a little bit of rezoning we didn't talk about this earlier but the one of the tricks um, is that when a property, when a, when a street gets rezoned, it has an adverse impact on the price because developers mm. are suddenly buying in. So mm. we've got we've got one street called Queens Road, and we've got another one called Kings. And it's funny, you know, <laughs> one's a real premium. The Queens is yep. the premium one that runs in that Golden Triangle. The other one called Kings runs along adjacent to the railway, but they're big, twelve hundred meters size blocks, and it's been rezoned R right. three. So developers are coming in and suddenly you knock down one house and you build five or six townhomes. So the prices on that street have surged. So there's some call-outs there, you know, get, getting deep in the weeds. But, you know, understanding the zoning is a big, big consideration as well. This is – I love this because, you know, you and I, on, when we're talking about what we're going to do with suburb help, this is a big thing, isn't it? Data is really valuable, um, but you need to know – how to use it and you absolutely 100% need local knowledge otherwise you run the risk of making awful decisions if you just look at data on its own mm. um, and you know you and I rant and rave about these fly-in fly-out buyers agents for this reason you know that they they use data and it some some of it would look really logical a lot of decisions based on data alone could look very very logical but if you don't understand these these really critical uh, local aspects you're going to make crazy you know, decisions that you'll only know in ten years' time that you've made a bad decision. Um, yeah, I think I think the, the local expertise gets you nearest the pin. Yeah. So, um, and one of the things that also just popped in my head when you were talking then was that if it really is the best street, like we were talking about, the best street in the suburb is going to have less turnover 
than lesser streets. So therefore, you've got less data to use. And so sometimes they might actually miss the link, miss the um, miss the list because they actually don't turn over. And if they don't have the, you know, if they don't, if they get filtered out because not enough um, sales, well, it, it, it would it would radiate out. So to to produce an, a price estimate for a house on a street that's um, has a very very low turnover or no turnover, there still we will be price estimates, but the there will be less um, result from sales in the street itself. So you know, if you if you're adjacent to some lower value streets, it's going to have a, an adverse impact and and scale you incorrectly. Um, but by and mm. large, you know, generally a, a good street isn't in a in, amongst a lot of dodgy ones. So generally, they're done in pockets. So let's go into Balmain. Where we are mm. um, obviously in. Let's go to yeah, Balmain. Yeah, I was about to say because in in newer suburbs there's a little bit more order around that, but in somewhere like Balmain, Balmain's it's toughy. It's all over the shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, you know, again, you've got a lot of small ones. So I could probably filter this, and I'll remove anything with less than. I, I might even go a bit. I might go say say we'll test this out, and I'll, I'll do ten houses or more. So we get rid of some of those mm-hmm. really oddball lanes. So what that now does is it gives me a rank. I'll just check. I got the ranking. Yeah. So the Highest um, median value street at 4.9 million after that filter is Alexander Street. Right. Okay. Well, and that's right down on the on the harbour front. So, um, and in fact, interesting enough, it's one of the very few streets in Balmain that is in Balmain that's on the harbour because you've got Balmain yep. East and you've got Birch Grove. Yes. Um, taking a lot of those harbour spots. So that doesn't surprise me that. It's got gun barrel views of the Harbour Bridge. Um, and it's only got there's only it's only a fairly short row of houses actually, and in fact, a number of them I think were recently built or redeveloped and um, yeah, renovated. So that would actually explain as well why you've had quite a few sales there in recent years for that reason. So that's sort of quite interesting. But yeah, the the, the views are pretty incredible. Um, there's the total result was about 104 um, uh, streets uh, after that filter. Mm. Um, and I, I just zoomed down and found um, the old street that you sold me, um, the house that you sold me, oh, and Arthur, Arthur Street. Arthur Street. And that's mm. coming at 47, so it's kind of right in the middle, halfway. Okay, interesting. Um, but uh, yep. the next one on the list there after the filters was Longview Street. It's got a view in it. That's good. Mm-hmm. I always like the yeah, view. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. That, and then the next one down is Ewanton. Yeah. So Ewanton is uh, an interesting street. It's got some um, quite large townhouses on it and and a few very large homes. Mm. Um, and it runs sort of from Darling Street down to White Bay. So it's a bit of a, an odd little pocket. Um, but it is getting down towards Balmain East, so that's quite um, popular in terms of accessibility mm. to the city of Ferry, et cetera, et cetera. And Longview is over near um, Elkington oh. Park, which is a beautiful mm. park. And Longview itself, you know, I would – you know, I wouldn't. I don't get excited about Longview Street, but it, once again, it's because it's on the water. You got waterfronts on that street, and so therefore they're going to sell for a higher price purely because they're waterfronts. But I guess if you then chuck them into the into the mix with um, the Birchgrove and the Balmain East waterfronts, you probably you know, and the pecking order would change. Mm. The Longview would be right down the bottom of, of those streets potentially. Mm. Um, so it is fascinating, though, isn't it? When you think of what what when you when you uh, Chuck so what are some in, of the worst the streets, Kent? Is it, you know, Mullins, you know, Darling? 
um, BT. Um, I'm just going down. I just want to make sure I got the ones that do have these, um, the estimates. So I'm just going to make a little marker there so I don't go to the ones that aren't rated. Um, mm. uh, Carrington Street, Queens, Rosebury, Batty and Higham have come in. They're the worst. They've come in down the bottom with medians down below $2 million. Okay, so Batty, 100% agree with. Like, why would you buy a house in Batty Street anyway? Batty Street is right on the edge of Roselle. It's on the edge of this mm. massive um, Meriton redevelopment that was done uh, yeah. 25 years ago now. And the actual, yeah, it's not very pleasant, to be quite frank. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, Rosebury, depending on which one, there's a Rosebury with oh, this two is R's place. and there's one Rosebury with one Rosebury Place. Uh, Rosebury Place, that's a, that's in that mm. uh, Meriton Development, okay. Rosebury Place. So that, that answers that. What was the other one? Um, um, we've got, um, we've got Hyam so, Street. Yeah, Hyam Street, same okay. deal. That That is, all of that is massive, huge, big complex. Mind you, within all that, there's actually some decent apartments in there, um, but it's just a sheer volume, you know, yeah. and... Yeah, interesting. Um, here's one that's interesting. Um, uh, it's kind of not right down the bottom, but Little Darling. So we all know Darling, but Little Darling. <laughs> I sold, when I was a sales agent, a house. Little Darling's tiny, little tiny street, and it has this real total mismatch. Of, and it's yeah. right behind the, the uh, what was the Telstra. Um, oh, yes. Yep. Uh, and the courthouse. Yeah, the fire, the stuff, fire So brigade. it's pretty horrible. Yeah, yeah. All that, yeah. Um, what was the other one? There was one uh, other one you told, you said that I went, oh, yes, yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, Buchanan. Buchanan. Yeah, Buchanan. That, that's, that's, that's the second yeah, phase of all, all that, that Meriton okay, stuff. Okay, we'll get off that list. So it's interesting that... But yeah, um, yeah, isn't there an issue with units, cruise lines yeah, yeah, as well, Dick, Dick uh, Veronica, where uh, a bit of when they're docked and they've got the engines fired up and they, the smell goes down there as well? That's sort of, that's the same part of the yeah, over there. That's there not as much. right up that end. So... I guess what this is reflecting, because there's no other uh, unit complex in Balmain that's as enormous mm. as this Meriton complex. So, therefore, it stands to reason. It's not necessarily to say it's even, they're even necessarily bad yeah. apartments in there. It's just the sheer volume of it and the scale of it. And it's really interesting that it just keeps coming up because there are units in other streets that are fine and there's other units in other streets that you probably mm. would put as a lesser product than these streets. But it is interesting that... that Predominantly, it's um, they're all at the bottom end. Well, this of the, has been done on house spectrum. house price estimates, and and we do have a column. Well, there's no house. We've got oh, what it's done is it's it's Just, it's effectively selected. Well, it's got pick one of them. Batty had there's uh, houses had in Batty. Mm. Yep, but there are no houses in Rosary Place. There's no houses in. Uh, I don't think Dick Street's got any houses. Why would you buy in Dick Street either? Just quietly, but <laughs> it's got townhouses and units. Um, Hyam is townhouses yeah. and units. Like these streets yeah. don't have any houses, so it's probably all classification. Something's or made classification it, of townhomes yeah. as houses. Ah, do you want, do right, you want to make a it. switch mm. over to? So Coogee's quite a challenge because I'll, I'll move on now because it's it's got so many units. So that does yep. make things quite challenging. So, um, you know, one of the options is is to look at it and do it by uh, do it by uh, apartment value. So this might be an interesting different angle. Is I'm now sorting and ranking based on apartment um, valuation estimates. So, uh, but again, I'll filter it and, and only pick areas that might have more than say 
uh, more than um, more than 10. Uh, and that list has come down a fairly short list now, and that's only 49. So if I'm, I'm doing those that have a minimum number of, of, of the minute, um, and it's uh, the, some of the big ones, uh, Richard, Alfreda, Edgecombe, I don't know any of those. I can't remember any of those. No, I don't either. Um, the only one that I know that's in that top 10 list was Dolphin. So I know oh, Dolphin. Um, so I might I might yeah. flip away because I don't know those ones too well. I might need to change that and sort sort by houses. You know what's interesting though with units? If you're trying to sort of pick a good street to buy a unit in, the reality is that yeah. it's almost like yeah. you need to find the good building, not the good yeah. street. Well, I call them vertical and also streets. the good apartment in that building. Almost mm. like you know, it's you know, it could be a great building, but if you're the yeah. worst apartment, the dark one, the one on the you know the south side, the smaller block, the the noisy mm. one. Um, huge differences into in terms of what will happen in a hot market, right? Like, uh, and a cold market as well. Like, if if you wanted to sell the poor one in the apartment block, people go, oh, I don't really like this one because it's, um, but in a hot market, maybe you can get away with it. So, yeah, it's 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 a whole other level to houses in terms of trying to pick a quality asset. I think you know is to get a great investment. It's a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Uh, what what I particularly love about this is that this is really interrogating data. Right, you, you know, you've come up with beautiful, clever little filters and all the rest of it, and now we're going right. Well, what does that mean, right? And like Richard Avenue, um, I was thinking, I don't know it. I do know it. I hate that street, like with a passion, <laughs> right? Um, and and it wraps around this other um, street that it, they're all dank houses. There's a bit of a hill. Um, but there's not many units in there. So it's interesting that that has filtered itself out in the unit data to be a good street, and it's probably because there's not a lot of actual unit buildings in it perhaps. So it's like telling a story. I'm not sure it's the right story, but it's definitely telling I, a um, story. I lived in Carrington Road in an apartment that was beautiful apartment with some views but very noisy. And, and um, <laughs> I've, I've just done it, sorted it by house price estimates. And my favourite street in Coogee was Marcel. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's come up at number, after some filters, that's come up at number five with Battery number one and then Gordon Avenue. I think Gordon Avenue is down near, near towards Gordon Bay or attached to Gordon Bay. But I think that was, that might, I need to check that Which- one. If you could maybe... Google that one and tell me where Gordon Avenue is. Well, it is, and Battery is on the other side of that as well. So Battery sort of runs along the top part of Gordon's Bay and Gordon Avenue runs along. Oh, that's a beautiful part of the world. So on Gordon Avenue, yeah, you've got amazing, um, you know, homes Mm. with views there, like stunning. Yeah, really beautiful. It's that whole envy. You drive That's property porn streets, those ones. Uh, If you were a really rich media person, (laughs) that's where you'd be, right? Potentially, there's, there's lots of lots of options. Although I think there's bounties um, where all the rich. But I mean, I think anyway. the whole top street thing. I think it's really important. So, can can people get this for their own suburb? Like, is there an easy way? Yeah. So, um, uh, come along to it's on suburb trends. Um, I'm about to put it onto the website. It'll be available on suburb trends yep. for, for download. And so you can put it in your suburb, and then you can basically see your, right. your so streets. Now, I don't a- take it as gospel, as you can see already, um, but. I think it's important if you are even thinking about a suburb, I, I think this is a great report to think about. And, you know, why is this ranking pretty low? Um, you know, should we be a bit hesitant buying on this street? You know, we, we're not looking and we're comparing a street in the top five to the, you know, that's at 80. Um, and there's obviously some reason why this street's much lower 
And that's probably in a, a means to go and do a bit more investigation, right, and a bit more due diligence, etc. Um, it's a, it's got a lot more in it too. It's got um, the average bedroom count, the average lot yeah. size count as well. So it's got a there's a lot of data fields attached to it. So it's a it's a fairly rich data set, um, and it'll be just available as a download as a awesome. an Excel file. Oh, you are just amazing to provide all this information for people, Kent. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Well, yeah, interesting chat. I love this. I love to, the, you know, I think the first time we interviewed you, well, not maybe the first time, the first time we did a Suburb Trends episode, and I know that you came along armed with some data and, and we were talking about, why, you know, why properties prices are going up in certain areas and going down in others, and, and we were, like, questioning you, why, why, why? And it was like, well, I don't know. I'm just telling you what the numbers <laughs> say. <laughs> and and it's so fascinating that you're brave enough to come on live. Like, we're not live. We don't actually you know broadcast this live but we record it live and we don't mm. edit it <laughs> so i just love the fact you're delivering this stuff to us and, and we can you go don't right, hold back what? either Does this makes sense you, you lay the boot in sometimes i know i know but we do we do we love these conversations thank so thank you so Talk much for joining us again if you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey and most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo.